Corporal Barstool. I've invited JR, John Robinson, who's my backup CEO and business manager, back to the show. And you may or may not be aware that uh, JR is actually family. So he's my wife's cousin and very close cousin. So they're almost like brother, sister. And uh, so he has become a very important part in this business, but my wife, Lisa, also as well. But that brings up some sensitive questions about family and business and delegating responsibilities and whether it's the right fit. And, you know, we spill off into a few topics there. It's not just family, but friends and who do you trust and this and that. So I think this is a good topic. So sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumber.com and John Lumber Digital on Facebook. Here's another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week we invite you to the virtual pub and get drunk on social media and entrepreneurship. That's right. JR, welcome back to the show. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well today. And the first thing that shows up for me is which one am I? Am I the mummy or Frankenstein? Uh, it looks like you're the mummy and I am the Frankenstein. Yes. And for those, those <laughs> listening to the podcast, you have no idea what we're talking about. So we're, uh, I'm using BeLive to also stream this live to the PHC Entrepreneurs Facebook group. And nice little added benefit of that software. They, they allow you to use, I guess, seasonal themes. So we're using a Halloween theme, and we got like little Halloween guys dancing around our screen, distracting everybody. Um, so anyway, so welcome back. I know you've got all kinds of things planned. You even gave me a little bit of homework, told me to watch some TED Talk. And when you ask me to do something that takes 15 minutes, it makes me a little nervous. But uh, yeah. you are amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. because I forgot what I was going to talk about oh. when I said that. And, and you just reminded me of, of what it was. And as you can tell, my voice is coming back a little bit, but it is still not there. I completely lost it on Thursday. So. Yeah, poor guy. He, he had a man cold. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's rough. A monster man cold. Um. So yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm so glad you reminded me. Mm. Of that. So yes, we will. We will talk about that a little bit as well. Okay. So what, what's the plan today? All right. So here, here's the plan. First off. As some of you might know, uh, one of my projects, uh, many projects I have, is I'm going into business and setting up a brand new culture for a acupuncture business in San Diego. And I'm going to share one of the challenges that I had last week. And I want to see, John, how you have handled that challenge if you've been faced with it. So... I won't go into really deep details because then I might get in major trouble. But um, Hmm. my business partner is my love partner. So literally my girlfriend and I are going into business together. 
And I am learning for the first time that going into business with family (laughs) can be, in the spirit of Halloween, scary. Yeah. So, (laughs) John, tell me, tell me this. Um, I already know the answer because we're family, but I also think that you have also made John Loomer Digital a little more complex too, because you have more than just me as a family member in the business. Tell me how it is to have your wife in the business as well. What has been what's been your experience? And again, remember. There are people out there that currently are in family businesses or they're considering it. So I'd love to tease this topic out on kind of how you've done. How, how's it gone for you? And yes, don't say too much because you're going to get in trouble too. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, there's nothing to yeah. get in trouble for it. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think it's been really good. It's because... There's one particular thing that I think everybody struggles with handing off when it comes to their business, and that's money. Like anything related to collection of money, payment of money, because we all know, and and I and I think it also helps my background that if you go way back, <laughs> way way back, I was an underwriter uh, for insurance, and one of the things I offered was employment practices liability, directors, officers liability. So stuff where like employ like you, you check to see what kind of controls they have in place to prevent employees from stealing from you, you know, or who's writing the checks, all that kind of stuff. So that immediately kind of makes me a little skittish when talking about um, uh, you know, writing checks and managing money. So having Lisa handle that, which I already know she does a wonderful job managing money. Um, cause she does it for us generally, um, was just perfect. And then it's one less thing I need to worry about. Um, and so that's really her, her primary involvement, uh, in the day to day. Uh, but, um, I, th- I think it's perfect. It's a perfect match as opposed to like, you know, trying to get her up to speed on something that's Facebook marketing related or, I mean, she, she, I'm sure if I wanted her to, at some point I could have made her or helped her become, you know, really good at like on, you know, for the customer service side for what I do, whatever she would have been great in that. But, um, I, this, this ended up being a perfect fit for us. All right. So I asked a question. I just realized when I posted it, that you hear this chime every time I posted it, no, I didn't hear which was this. You didn't hear anything? Okay, good, good, good. So the question I posed is, what can I do to better delegate to family members in my business? Because, again, for you, through the years, delegation has become a skill. that It it wasn't a talent, but I would say it's become a skill for you. And I think, end of the day, I wonder if the same rules apply for family members. You know, this idea of love, like, and hate, because you just described a situation of managing the money. Is that something that you love, like, or hate? I am, if you go back to my childhood, notoriously bad with money. Oh, no. So, so I didn't know this. Yeah. So, if we go back, who, remember those, uh, and this would have been like a newspaper, magazine ad, whatever, 
for like uh, BMG Music Service. For sure. Columbia House. Just send in a penny and you'll get 10 records or tapes or whatever, you know, CDs. Oh, man, I was in deep with that stuff. So deep. I actually set up separate accounts for like my dog and stuff. And I had collection agencies coming after me. Uh, And this, you know, continued into college where I was still doing this. And um, and I still, you know, I ended up paying all that stuff off, but it was like ridiculous because it was like ended up being like twenty some dollars an album that you're paying in the long run. And I signed up like three times or something. And um, so there's that. Um, I I had a free ride to college, not not because I earned it, because because of <laughs> seriously, because because my dad was a professor and. Um, I still ended up taking out loans basically to pay for my, my partying is pretty much what it came down to. Well, partying and to, to buy, you know, new uh, uh, music equipment stuff, you know, because um, you had to have good Oh, you trying to be in a band? No, I mean like uh, stereo. Having a good <laughs> stereo, big woofers, and you're going to have house parties. Dude, ridiculous. So point being... Not real good with the money. And, you know, I learned my lesson, I think, after college. But I'm, as you've noticed with emails, I can kind of be last minute on stuff. So I might push the limits. And I have a really good credit rating, by the way. I do. I think we can thank Lisa for that. But because I don't think they looked back, you know, before we we got married. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd wait too long. I might push the limits on due dates, things like that. So, uh, so in terms of like all that like hate and all that kind of stuff, I'm just the wrong person to, to to manage that kind of stuff. So you bring up a pretty good distinction because when I think about this idea of love like hate, that is a self-assessment. That's you grading your own paper. And that's kind of preference. And you just introduced a new wrinkle, which was, yeah, I could love to do something I'm really bad at. So, so it is good that you acknowledge what you're bad at and thank goodness you don't love to do it or that you don't like to do it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think one of the clever ways of, of delegating your family is especially if it's something that you're bad at, if it's bad at tracking money, then if your family member is not only good at it, but they love doing it, they like doing it. That's a smart way to delegate. Yeah, at least it's just, I'm not going to say she loves it, but she, you know how she is. Uh, she has to She has to under, know what's going on. Make, she has to make sure it's paid on time, if not ahead of time. Uh, she hates having outstanding bills. So that's why I, you know, both of us, we have, and I'm not even sure which one of us has the better uh, credit rating now. It's, it'd be kind of funny. But um, pristine credit ratings because she's so good at that stuff. Um but yeah, and so if I had been doing it all these years, probably not so much. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I don't like the place that we're at because no one has come to take our order for any drinks. Oh, what are you, so, what are you drinking? Just water because nobody came to the table. Uh, so I'm just drinking water today. Uh, and what are you drinking? My Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. water. Mm. Yeah, me too. Hmm. So, just kind hey, of uh, that kind of takes me to another kind of funny story. Um, we are so low on beer right now that uh, yesterday, I, so I, I did raked all the leaves. How low are you on beer? This is this how is low. 
So I, I spent like four hours while we were raking leaves yesterday. Afterwards, like, you know, I get a beer and there's I barely anything left. Well, there are a couple of Coors Light cans in there. And I grabbed Coors Light and I'm drinking it. And Lisa gets home. She's like, where'd you get, where'd you get that? It's like, isn't that from the Spiders party for our, our, the, the, our my son's team from like last year? Like, nah, this is from, you know, just like a couple of weeks ago from that, from our latest party. I looked at the bottom of the can the date on it, 2016. Yeah. So, but it tasted fine. It tasted fine. So that brings me up to an idea because I've always wondered about the dates. And I used to work for Miller fine. Brewing. It tasted fine. Yeah. I used to work for Miller Brewing straight out of undergrad in a distribution role for distribution slash marketing. And it was so important that they had us look at the dates whenever we spot check. And I always wondered, like, does well, alcohol I think it's, go bad? I, and I, well, first of all, it's Coors Light, so it's like, does water go bad? But uh, I think part of it's just like a, a perception thing. If you've got, if they don't want to sell cans that are old, because people look at it like, ah, oh, this is an old, a, a year old can of can of beer. I, I shouldn't drink it. That's gross. But reality, especially when it's like Coors Light, it's probably fine. So, as Lisa, I don't know. I really understand you, some of our tangents sometimes, but yeah. Anyway, right. But but hold on. So, as Lisa says this to you about the beer, does she not connect the dots that she hasn't gone to the store to? She doesn't buy beer. Refresh. I do. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So there we go. Again, we're still keeping on track of tasks and family and delegation. Mm-hmm. So. Why does she not buy the beer? I don't know. It's just something that uh, I, I tend to do. Now she pays. She signs up for all of our wine clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so that and that's delivered to our house. So that that's all through her. Um, anytime we need hard liquor or beer, which isn't like it's not, not like our house is stocked with a whole bunch of alcohol. Um, that's right. my responsibility for whatever reason. I think it used to be because. Um, I used to be more of, as we know, because the podcast, more of like a beer guy, and I like this, and I'm more particular about it. I'm not really that so much these days, but um, so I guess that that's why it kind of morphed that way. Gotcha. By the way, uh, all right. So let's we got we got to answer Courtney. By the way, because I think she's unfamiliar with the fact that we're actually family. Where's Did that? You see I that, don't question? See that question? Mm-hmm. No. She said, "You guys are actual family." Yeah. So Jr. is my wife Lisa's cousin. Yeah, and I'm I'm feeling like a less than cousin because I should have interviewed you years ago if I'd have known you were that bad with money. <laughs> I I might not have given the okay. Well, that's probably so a good good thing you didn't interview me then because obviously this worked out. <laughs> crazy. I still don't see the question. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. All right. So let's get back. Let's get back. So let's talk about, I asked you to look at a TED talk last week and did you do your homework, your entrepreneurship homework? I did, but you expect me to be focused for 15 minutes. I, you know, I was, I basically had it running uh, while I was doing other things. I understand the basic right. point of it in terms of power and some sort of bind something 
And by All right, so you totally I, missed I, the I point. So you're really <laughs> Let me just start over. So I had this crazy idea that said, man, I think that people have not learned how to speak up. Mm-hmm. And right now with all these things that are going on out there, you know, all this bad stuff on harassment, and I won't give that any more power. But there's just a lot of situations out there that people aren't speaking up when they should. And I absolutely believe that in entrepreneurship is that uh, staff sometimes don't speak up for themselves. Sometimes they don't speak up for others. I see entrepreneurs having a hard time taking care of themselves and speaking up for themselves. You know, they're giving so much of themselves to their business. They're giving so much of themselves to their staff, their customers, everybody but themselves. No one's taking a stand for them. So there was a TED Talk Mm -hmm. that I had sent to John. And maybe I'll put the link in the thread, uh, which was just the dynamics, the mindsets, the, the way that one can precisely speak up for themselves. So with that said, and John did not do his homework well, um, John, as we've gone through all these years with, with the business, have you found that there were moments that you haven't like kind of spoken up on anything? I mean, do you feel like as an entrepreneur, that's why you wanted to be an entrepreneur so you could speak up but on anything? Or how's that shown up for you? Just like the idea of speaking up. I mean, it, I definitely wouldn't say it was attractive to me to, you know, this is a way I'm going to have a public voice to speak up about these things and draw attention to something. Um, I mean, I'll say that those times, it hasn't been frequent, but the times that I do kind of take a stand and speak up about something, those are times that I get a lot of, you know, people who say, yes, that's that's how I feel too. That's... I was hoping for someone else to say that or, or whatever. So it always feels good to be able to do that. But um, I think kind of going back to that TED Talk, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I had, there's a, necessarily a, a lot of risk in um, in me speaking up in those cases, uh, maybe more so early on because being in a place of less power, I guess. But uh, but then again, I'm not, I'm not speaking up on really sensitive topics either. Right. But there are situations like I'm not going to ask you this question because I know the answer. But the premise of the, the question would be uh, those times when you haven't spoken up, when you've been more reserved, when you, you know, just said, I'm going to ignore this. Now, I will say, and as an observer of you, when we've had less than ideal performance from either a staff or <laughs> outsourced outsourced um, talent. Would you agree? That I haven't spoken up? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and we're, um, this isn't fine. This isn't finite. This isn't saying every time. Yeah, but this is no, a, no, a I, tendency. Your but, tendency is probably not to speak up in the early stages of something, I say being, I agree to a point. Like I, I didn't speak up, or I didn't speak up forcefully, right? Okay. So in, in ways that it was almost like um, tiptoeing around the problem, or uh, not coming straight up with you know my concerns, and, and you know, and like being very specific about 
you know, this, this is what this is what I'm seeing. What are you doing? Um, we got to fix this or else kind of thing. Like, no, there are never any ultimatums. Not necessarily saying you have to have ultimatums. Just it was all. I always felt like I was kind of out of control in those situations. Got it. So next question is, as part of this process, do you worry about hurting people's feelings if you have tended to not speak up? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, is that one thing that keeps me from speaking up, you're asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it can. Um, I, you know, I think that's... Um, I think that's a potential uh, factor when it comes to bringing people on that you care about. Um, that, uh, you know, you could be too careful about Oh, you just, they'll be okay. They'll be all right. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this kind of thing. Um, instead of making it clear what what you think is happening or concerns or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I know a story for me uh, when this has backfired. When I uh, was trying to be an advocate for a staff member, meaning just notice some things mm, to be a little different in performance and this person was referred to us. So I reached out to the referral and said, hey, because I know that they, you know, had, um, you know, a, an ongoing friendship. You don't so tiptoe around, though. I, 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 I don't. I don't tiptoe around. But but I I purposely went to the person who referred this person to, to the business. And I was just trying to check to say, hey, you know, is everything OK? Because, you know, that performance hasn't been the same over the past couple of weeks. Just want to make sure everything's fine. And I swear I did it from a place of caring. I thought I had the, I thought it wasn't that much of a risk. I mean, I had no idea. Like I so didn't think it was a risk. I thought that, you know, there was a lot of trust there already. And I thought I had the likability. I thought I had the credibility. And that's part of what that Ted talk is about is like when people are apprehensive about speaking up. They they tend not to like the person or they tend not to trust the person. And I felt like I had all those things and it still backfired. So backfired. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think for me, one of my issues is that I'm just generally uncomfortable in a place of power. Mm, okay. So, I mean, that really goes for anything. Like, um, you know, I mean, Lisa has the upper, upper hand in our relationship. <laughs> yes, she does. So, <laughs> uh, if anyone is concerned about what the other one, how the other one's going to react by bringing something up or, or, you know, more concerned, it's me. It's like, cause I'm like, kind of like your, that Ted talk is like, depending on where you're at, you're worried about, is this going to backfire by bringing this up? So I don't think she's worried about that at all when she brings up something. You know, zero. <laughs> she, she's not worried about that at all. But here's the range, though. So I love that you're just talking about the range. When people do speak up, there's a possibility that they could get rejected. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't speak up, it's that they can go unnoticed. So there is an art form to knowing when to speak up. And for those, it is in the blood uh, because I speak up all the time. And but, I probably. 
and that's, I probably that's, should not. But that's in certain situations. It's true. I've had to rein you back in a couple times. Um, but that's yeah. also why I think you and Lisa are important to this business because you pl- can play that role as necessary uh, with certain people. And Lisa too. Like we need to get something paid. Well, you know, where is this? Where's this money? You know, where's this info? Whatever. And uh, she she won't mess around. Um, that's one more reason why it's good that she's doing that kind of stuff and I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I like that you uh, gave me a compliment there. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I realize that is that is something that's there. All right. So a couple questions from this. What do you have trouble with when we're talking? We're still staying in the the family entrepreneurship. Uh, has there been any trouble that you've had so far? Because you're painting this picture to be way too rosy. What do you, what do you mean? Any trouble doing what? And, and just, it was just having a business with your family. Um, I mean, there hasn't been any trouble. No, no. I mean, okay. I, I think I think uh, the the question has to come up. You know, for any business, anyone who who has family in the business is always the question of, you know, is this something that's going to go on in perpetuity, or how do you breach the conversation of, you know, is this a should is this something that should end within mm-hmm. a year or twelve or six months or whatever? So, right. uh, I think that's that's something that everybody's got to be thinking about, um, whether it's friends or family when they have those agreements. That's why it is, it can be dangerous. Um, like starting a business with somebody, cause then you're in it together. For yeah, you, you split something 50, 50, um, then you, you know, divorce or falling out or whatever, uh, then it gets messy. So all, all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it can get, uh, so, so whenever, when it, I mean, we haven't had to have any sensitive, we haven't had any sensitive issues come up but that's um, something that you absolutely have to think about. Well, thanks for making me afraid now of my most latest venture. This, is rem- this reminds me that uh, so after this, we should have a talk. <laughs> In the principal's office. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's what I'm experiencing with it. What I'm having trouble with is trying to be very assertive and a leader, uh, but also being mindful of my approach could be received in a way that's he's a little too aggressive or, you know, he should, he shouldn't talk to me that way because I don't work for him or he doesn't work for me or what, whatever it could be. So, so that's what I'm having trouble with. And and that's, this is just over the last week of trying to figure out what that balance is and how to, on how to communicate so I think for me, if I were looking the, at the essentials of entrepreneurship with your family, the way that you communicate is probably one of those pillars that you have to master. Meaning, hey, how do I like to receive information? Yeah. How do I like to give information? What are the ways that I like to communicate? Because John, oh my gosh, you, you, you hate email, so I know that. Um, texting is pretty, you're pretty effective with texting. Slack, boo. You don't, I've started, you don't I've started like to do re- replying to Slack lately. 
Okay. But but as those that are trying to master the entrepreneurship with their family members or thinking about going into it, I'm going to forewarn you, the communication gap that is created by not stating how to effectively communicate is something that you got to spend your, spend your time on, no doubt. Hmm. And I think, John, you and I, I would say accidentally got this to be fluid. You know, even like Friday, you didn't call me when you're supposed to call. That's where John normally calls. So John normally calls. So our rhythm is that I just wait for John's call. See, that's that's and, that's a, that's an uneven relationship. That's where it's like, oh, oh please, John, John must have forgotten. It's been two minutes. Instead of uh, being angry about him not calling me for the next fifteen minutes, I'm just going to call him and make sure he didn't forget. Because all right, so you just happen. brought up a second landmine yeah. in family entrepreneurship. Is that those believing that someone's mad when they're not? Ah, oh, oh, that text that you sent me? What? Should I go back and read that? Oh, text? I was kidding. I, I was kidding. Don't read that. <laughs> I really was kidding. I really was kidding. But but if you read it out loud, I might go to jail. I think he used so, the word murder. Yeah. <laughs> murder meaning group. Of crows. Sure. That's what murder means. Okay. Just so you know, that is what, if you if somebody asks you this, says, hey, what is a big group of a, a particular Just remember, animal? And remember, if I, if, I go, if I go missing anytime in the next you know, few uh, months. I was talking about a big group of crows. Remember this conversation. Check my text. Yeah, so, <laughs> but no. And then even today. So, since you had a pat since I thought it might be a pattern because on Friday you didn't call for our daily huddle which I highly recommend for uh, people with uh, family members or just teams in general just to stay on the same page is having a daily huddle that lasts between you know three minutes to 15 and John and I do that every day but I also know that John calls and today he didn't again so I called him I was and then taking we out both the trash I was taking out the trash we both went to voicemail yeah. so just ineffective yeah. all right I'll stop rambling but the <laughs> so that's the trouble that I have you know right now is just making sure we get on the same page. I, you um, know, it, it, kind of backtrack for a minute. I think what's important um, regarding both your, your and my relationship in this business, and even with Lisa, is that this didn't start as we're in this business together, kind of thing. Like we didn't get together and say let's <laughs> let's start this business together, and you know, no. and, and so I think the fact that. Because I think that that might be the, one of the more dangerous parts of this sometimes is that people run into potential partners, think that you know, this, so this isn't just family, but think, oh, I can trust this person, not having a full understanding of what they're all about and what they can add and maybe what some drawbacks of adding them would be and running business with them and this kind of thing. And they make that commitment. That's where it gets dangerous. For us, um, you know, we were working together on this stuff for a long time without it being an official business relationship. It's like you're just, we're just t talking about stuff on a regular basis or we're, you know, you'd help me through this, but it wasn't official part of the business until the past couple of years or so. So I think that yeah. that's important. Um, and I don't think, I don't think that's normal. No, that's not normal at all. And that's and that's why I just posted the question of how do I pick the family member that best fits 
because I think that as you're describing fit, sometimes bringing family members on in the beginning probably isn't the smartest thing to do. And maybe mm-hmm. bringing them on later, a year, two, three, four years, five years, maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe bringing them on sooner that's would what, be valuable. That's why it just it baffles me when I get these cold emails from people saying, and it's not just one email, it's like five. Like, John, I'm just following up again. Make sure you got my email. I wanted to know if you want to partner on something. How, why would you part, Why do you already know that you want to partner with me on something? Like we haven't even had a conversation about anything. We're, there's no trust there at all, and we're gonna partner on something. I just think that's crazy, and um, so you just gotta make absolute certain that you know, before you jump into these types of arrangements that it's a good fit. Yeah, you do, and I think as I'm looking at fit and understanding family fit, uh, one thing that kind of shows up for me is how best to match what has to be done with the actual skills and the actual interest. Because if someone's not interested, but they have the skills to do it, you know, it's a mismatch. If it's vice versa, it's a mismatch. So that's something that I have been learning over the past couple of weeks is figuring out how to divvy up work in a way that energizes everybody and that they don't feel depleted because, oh, why do I have to do that? Or I don't work for you or whatever the things could be. So it's a, it's a bit of a dance. So as those of, you are, ready, those of you are getting ready to get into this or are already in it, and I've been in many mastermind groups and I hate mastermind, but a, a, like CEO forums, and the CEO who have family businesses, either second or third generation, they describe this to be like the biggest headache is trying to figure out what, who does what and why, and are they the best person to do it? And a lot of times they aren't. So I guess you just have to make some accommodations. I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, I think my advice when it comes to looking for partners um, whether it's family or otherwise, is um, don't push it, don't rush it. Like get to know these people, not, and you may know them really well. That doesn't matter. Um, start getting to know them at a business level. Like, how would you handle this situation? What do you think I should do? Um, you know, what what have you done in this case? In this, you know, in, in your history, that that kind of thing. Kind of get a much better sense of. Because what they are personally and and who they are professionally could be two completely different things. Um, it's, I think that's I just see far too many people rushing into these partnerships where you're just crossing your fingers. Hope, hopefully it works out, and you end up regretting it. Yeah, I I think that's called experiential interviewing. That's so you're that's really essentially for- what we did for two or three years, right? For sure. Well, I always have a philosophy is. Before I hire anybody, I work with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we worked together for years before I was hired on for more responsibility, more impact. Um, but you have to work with people first. That's why I love volunteering situations, interning, you name it. I mean, if somebody, <laughs> I don't wanna open up a floodgates, but 
if someone was like, I want to help, I want to learn, you know, social media marketing, I want to learn digital marketing, I want to learn Facebook ads, I want to learn, and here are my skills, and, you know, whatever I can do to help, I will entertain that conversation. Because I know this, that part of of deciding what to fit is passion. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's passionate. And, and we've, we've partnered with a lot of people. There was a particular person, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I think this is the right person and the right story. There was a stalker that, what is it, six, seven years ago, and his name is Andrew Foxwell. <laughs> I was going to bring up did, Andrew. So it's true, though, because there are people like Andrew and um, Dan, who edits the podcast, who, and now it, it helps a little bit. This, this was early in the days, but um, where they reached out and they were approachable, they were likable, and so they weren't, they weren't pushy or anything. Uh, they, they had no expectations. They were just like, you know, I really like this or that. Um, you know, I'd love to talk or whatever. Um, and you know, again, no expectations of where that's going to go. And then how many years later, I mean, Dan has been editing these podcasts for five and a half, six years. I don't know, Dan, you should tell me. Yeah. Hopefully you're going to hear this. Um, and, and Andrew, you know, we didn't do anything that business together for a while, but again, we had that relationship first and it was the way that he he approached that that I appreciated um and, and I think that's it's rare actually cuz you know there there are people just be clear it doesn't mean you just reach out and say how can I help cuz I get those all the time and a lot of them I'm very very skeptical cuz it just you could just read between the lines it's like how can I help so I get something else in exchange right um and and I, I could just tell that these were just very um, good, good people who uh, are the type of people I want to surround myself with and, and work with, and it just came through. That, I think that's the challenge, and it shouldn't be a challenge to people where that's natural, but um, that's what you should look for. So if you have family members who are like so passionate and want to help and they're skilled, you should probably be open to that. Yeah, and I, I think that that even with me, when you first were thinking through, I want to go into business for myself. I had a sense of responsibility to share everything that I've learned about doing it for myself too, and just through the years of all the conversations, all the the challenging, and I think a permission to kind of poke at your thoughts and poke at the business and interrupt it a bit, uh, it was helpful. And I think that, you know, if people are looking out there and saying, hey, well, what would be the most valuable person to add to my team if it was a family member? I, I still like the idea of a processing partner. You know, and that's just a buzzword that I'm kind of using over the last couple of weeks, but this person that you can process things with, yeah. that you can think it out loud, that you can, you know, have complete trust. I could care less for those listening what John thinks if I hurt his feelings. But <laughs> so, well, let's be clear, um, though, because I think what you're saying is right, is that you, th- you help me think through the process. 
You don't come in and say, I know better than you. You're doing this <clears> wrong <throat> and that wrong. Do this now. Do that now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. I'm gonna, you know, don't worry about me. I'm going to go do this. Um, and I, mean, I think that part of its personality is that, that that would not work well for me. But um, I, I see too much of that, though, is, is the problem. There's too many people who think that they need to be that take charge, pushy, uh, and jump in and shake things up kind of person. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think there's there's a a mindful interrogation. You know, that's what I kind of feel like it is. It's like a good cop part of you know just going in and 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 asking the right questions, listening, restating what you listen, poking poking an idea here and there, pushing an idea here and there, and then yeah, two years later, John says he came up with it, but that's okay. Um, and the, the key there is to make sure that <laughs> enough time has passed where it's been a while since you've even talked about it. And then you can throw <laughs> it out there and say, dude, this idea I just came up with, this is going to be amazing. And then, yeah. uh, and meanwhile, your partner back there can just, mm-hmm. They have to grin and bear it. Yeah, that's your idea now. The, the, yeah, sta- the statute of limitations on that idea, long past you now get full credit. Past. Yeah. So let, let's kind of reel ourselves back in. Nobody came to the table, but that's okay. We're still mm-hmm. just drinking water. The The biggest takeaway I'd love people to have as they're considering hiring family members or they're considering taking a stand for themselves or speaking up, uh, all in all, it just takes mindfulness. It just takes thinking about it. It's like, what do you really want? And I think the what do you really want has been a transformative question for me in all aspects of entrepreneurship and all aspects of decisions in entrepreneurship. So that would be the brand the, the I guess, lift off question, branch off question is what do you really want when you're picking partners and managing family members and taking a stand for things? So that's what I would say. Word. Last call. Last call. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, we're not paying for anything. I'm getting out of this joint. This is the worst service ever. But uh, thanks again for being on the show, Jr. Where can people find you? On Twitter at Backup CEO, and then online at BackupCEO.com. When's the last time you updated that website? Um, probably a year ago. Mm. And speaking of updating websites, which we shouldn't be adding more topics, aren't you considering updating your website? Since you're going to tease me about mine, I'll tease you about yours. Yeah, we've been working on a redesign, I feel like, for the last year. So huh. hopefully soon. So then I'm going to get started on a redesign now, and then next year I'll still say, oh, I've been working on one for a year. There you go. All right, man. Well, thanks again for being on. Thanks, uh, everybody at PHC Entrepreneurs for watching. Until next time, do awesome things. We are out.